chapter 17 of 1 Samuel, of course, is a very familiar portion of Scripture that <clears throat> if we've been a Christian for any length of time, even non-Christians know this story of David that would defeat Goliath. And it's a story that perhaps if you went to Sunday school, that it was read to you by your Sunday school teachers. If you had parents that read you the Bible, I'm sure that your parents would read you this story. It's one of the familiar stories of the Old Testament. And perhaps yourself, personally, you've read this several times. You've heard teachings on it. And and I pray that tonight, that as we enter into a chapter that's very, very familiar, sometimes we can think, well, we know the scriptures, we know this story very well. I hardly even need to, to read it because I got a lot of it memorized. But that we would just really seek the Lord tonight because perhaps he wants to just uh, give you fresh understanding or new understanding, something that perhaps you never even thought about before. And so as we read chapter 17, remember that David in the previous chapter has just been anointed the king of Israel. Saul has been rejected by the Lord. We saw that Saul, because of his disobedience, because he did not do what the Lord told him to do, that it was Samuel the prophet that came to him and said that the Lord has taken the kingdom from you and is going to give the kingdom to another that has a heart after you. And of course, in chapter 16, as it would be Samuel the prophet, the spiritual leader of the land, went to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse, and all the sons of Jesse, Jesse has eight sons, all of those sons pass in front of Samuel, and it was the Lord that told Samuel something very important. He said, Samuel, don't look at the outward appearance. Because I don't see men as, as others do, but I look at the heart. And so it would be the last son that was there that passed by Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, do you have any more sons? Yeah, well, there's the youngest. He's out with the sheep. And, of course, that was David. Well, Samuel said, bring him here. And, of course, it was the Lord that said, there's the man that has a heart after me. And David at that time just a young man, he's just a, a teenager actually at that time, that he was anointed king of Israel. Now David doesn't ascend to the throne at this moment. It's going to be years before David takes his position as the king of Israel. But we see that God's hand is on David's life as obviously we're going to see David, a, a, a man after God's own heart, a, a man of faith, a young man of faith, as we read chapter 17. We read now, the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Sacho, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Sacho and Azekah in Ephes Damen. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they camped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. Verse 3 tells us the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. So here are the Philistines coming into that territory of Judah, which verse 1 very clearly tells us. And Judah and the Philistines face off once again. And from this time in their history, we know that the Philistines are the main enemies of Israel. It was just a few chapters ago that we saw that Israel, because of Jonathan, his act of faith and going up and, and checking out the Philistine garrison, uh, that it was the children of Israel that routed the Philistines and defeated them. But we've seen that the Philistines have regrouped, and once again, they're threatening Israel, coming into that territory 
of Judah. And it really kind of shows me that Saul here is not a strong king. Saul is diminishing in his, his you know, um, in, his, in his power. He's really diminishing right now in his effectiveness to be able to rule Israel in a strong way. So here are the Philistines right now in the area of um, the, in the territory of Judah, and they're in the Valley of Elah. Now, the Valley of Elah is just west of where Bethlehem is, only about 10 miles. And it's not a, a large valley. It's a fairly small valley with uh, a hillsides on each side. And here are the armies of the Philistines on one side. Here's the armies of the Israel on the other side. And in the middle of that valley, there's a dry riverbed with lots of stones. And you can go to that valley today, and you can see where the Philistines were and where the armies of Israel were and where the riverbed where David is going to select these stones to um, you know, go against Goliath as he will put that stone in his sling. So here they are in battle array. And verse 4 tells us, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, from Gath, whose height was six cubits, in a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor on his legs, and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Verse 7 tells us, Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield bearer went before him. Now, we know that Goliath was big, but how big was he? We are told here in the scriptures that he's six cubits high in, in, in height. So six cubits, they don't know exactly what a cubit was, but most ancient scholars believe it was about 18 inches. It's anywhere between 12 inches and 24 inches. And most scholars believe that it was the length between your tip of your finger to your elbow. So about 18 inches. So if you take that measurement, here you have Goliath, that's six cubits in height. He is nine feet tall. There have been those that say perhaps that he was even taller, and we know that he's a big guy, and he's a strong guy. He is a monster here. He has this, this armor that's on his legs, and he has a bronze javelin between his shoulders, verse 6. And verse 7 intrigues me because the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. Now they believe that's about 25 pounds. So here is Goliath. He has about 200 pounds of armor, we're told, on him from you know, his legs up to his chest and, and this helmet on his head. He has a spear that is like the pole on it is like a weaver's you know, beam, and then just the head of the spear is 25 pounds. Now, I was asking, asking Coach Kevin before service, making sure that a college shot put is 16 pounds. So you've seen those big guys are in the Olympics, you know, throw those shot puts, and I don't know if that's the right term, throw it, but they, they launch it, and the world's record's <coughs> around 75 feet, something like that. Here is Goliath. He had to be a huge, muscular guy, nine feet tall. He, he's got all this armor that's a couple hundred pounds. He is a champion, we are told, that went out from, from Gath, there in the area of Philistines. And he has this spear that's 25 pounds ahead of it. 
Now, you're going to see that the children of Israel, or that is the armies of Israel, are very much afraid of him. He's probably a descendant of Amalek. And we read about, you know, the giants that were in the land when the children of Israel first came up to the border of the promised land. Remember Numbers chapters 13 and 14? It was in the second year of their exodus. They first, when they came out of Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai, right? And there at Mount Sinai, they received the law. God made a covenant with the children of Israel. And then also, it was Moses that was shown the tabernacle. And so the next year, they spent building the tabernacle and getting the priest all ready. So in the second year, they were all ready spiritually because they had the priests and the tabernacle. And um, they were all set. They had the law, all the ceremonial laws and the religious laws and, and the civil laws that were given to them. So they were all prepared to go into the promised land. So the Lord said, go. And so they came up to the border of the promised land, Kadesh Barnea. And it was at that time, Numbers chapter 13 tells us, that they sent 12 spies into the promised land for 40 days. And those spies came back and they said, it, it is a good land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey and it's, it's a fertile land. And look at these grapes. And two of them were carrying clusters of grapes on a pole between their shoulders. But there's a problem, they said. And you know the story that they were told there's giants in the land. Amalek is in the land and they have cities and they're fortified and the walls go up to the heavens and the people were very much afraid, so much so they would not go into the promised land. And so because of their disbelief and because of their um, disobedience to God that continued, they did not believe in the promise of God that God was saying to them as, you know what, go into the promised land. I've given you this land. I'll drive out those giants. I'll defeat them. I'll drive out the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land. This land is yours, but the people were so afraid when they saw those giants. They were so afraid when they saw those fortified cities that they ended up murmuring and complaining and wanted to go back to Egypt. So they spent 40 years out there in the wilderness. So here is this descendant of Amalek that, that is um, there, and he is huge, and he's strong, and he's big. In verse 8, then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel, Goliath did, and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. So he gives this challenge. He says, hey, let's, let's do one-on-one -on -one here. And this guy is, you know, big, and he's mean, and he's a champion. This is more serious than the block bully, you know. He wants Israel to be in bondage. So he says, send somebody out. And we'll go one-on-one, -on -one, and if, you know, your man wins, then we'll serve you. And, and, and if I win, then you guys have to serve us. And really, you can think about this and say, well, you know, that's kind of fair. You can see the best man win. But really it isn't, because he's huge and he's big, and the children of Israel know that. It would be like me going into the children's ministry room and saying, okay, to one of the four-year-olds, okay, why don't we go one-on-one? -on -one? And if I win, then you have to, you know, serve me. 
It's not really fair, is it? And that's really, you know, what Goliath is doing here. There's no one that can match this guy. There's no one that, that the armies of Israel are thinking, who can fight this, this man Goliath? And so you guys are going to be defeated eventually, is what they're thinking. That's why they're afraid. Who can we have to go against Goliath? It looks bad, and we're going to end up being their slaves. It's going to be a life of misery. And you see, we need to understand that's what the enemy wants to do with our lives. Do we know that? I think that most of us do. The enemy is it's much, much stronger in He's much more powerful than we are in and of ourselves. And those who don't know Jesus Christ, that have the Holy Spirit in their lives, the power of God working in their lives, they're headed to a life of misery as long as they reject the Lord. And they're enslaved to the enemy, enslaved to the world. The good news for you and for me is we have Jesus Christ. And the scripture says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But we need to understand that that's what the enemy desires to do, to blind people, to hold them in bondage, to have them enslaved, to deceive them. And we can rejoice tonight because we've been free from all that. And I pray that we would never give the enemy a foothold in our lives and compromising or walking in disobedience. But Lord, we have you and we have your word. And, and the Holy Spirit, to free us from all of that, free us from the enemy. So they're very much afraid. And, and this challenge we're going to see is going to be given every day for 40 days as we continue to read on. But verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I mean, they were terrified. And I think that Saul here in verse 11 is mentioned very specifically because the guys are looking at Saul. As Goliath comes out, it's going... You know, you're the one that's head and shoulders above everybody else. Why don't you go out there and fight Saul? He's greatly afraid. It means that he's completely disabled. He, he's broken. He, they tremble. They can't do anything. It's almost as if they're, they're stunned. It, it's very similar to when those soldiers that were guarding the tomb, when the angel came on that first Easter morning in Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then an angel moved the stone and it says that those soldiers were like as dead. They were so afraid. That's near what these guys are. They're just terrified as this giant comes out and issues this challenge, defying, mocking the, the armies of God and their God. And it's interesting as we look at this, the vast contrast between Saul and David. Because Saul is one that, that he is gripped by fear. David is going to be one that he's going to walk by faith. He's going to walk by faith and put his confidence and trust in the Lord. And you see, every single one of us, we have decisions to make of how we're going to react when we face the Goliaths in our lives. And sometimes those situations can bring fear into our lives. And great men of faith have been afraid. But what's the message of the Lord is we don't have to be afraid. Because the Lord, the creator of the universe, the, the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, that he is the one that will fight for us. Just as David will say, this is the Lord's battle. And he's going to fight for us. 
And we can walk by faith. We don't have to be gripped and in bondage to fear. And that's what Saul and, and the armies of Israel are gripped by, is, is this fear as they see Goliath coming out, this huge guy with this armor on and this huge you know, javelin and, and spear that he has uh, in his hands. In verse 12, we continue reading, Now David was the son of uh, Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle, and the name of his three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him Abinadad, and the third Shammah. And David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So it was David, his brothers mentioned, his three oldest brothers. David is the youngest of eight. And his three older brothers are there in the armies of Israel. They're in this valley. They're watching this giant come out. David, he's so young that he's not even old enough to be in the armies of Israel. So verse uh, 15 tells us that he would return from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. You recall that at the end of chapter 16, that it was David that was summoned by Saul's servants because Saul had this distressing spirit that came upon him. And so they called for David to come and play for him and, and do worship for him. And, and so Saul was comforted by that. But apparently that was not a full-time thing. So David would come back to Bethlehem and feed the sheep. I guess the other brothers, I don't know if they helped feeding the sheep or what, but um, he would come back and he would help out with the sheep, David being a shepherd, of course. And so that's what he would do. So he comes back to his father's you know, house there in Bethlehem. He's feeding the sheep. And verse 16, And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days morning and evening. So this is how we know that Goliath gave this challenge for 40 days morning and evening. And it seems like when you look at the number 40, 40 oftentimes in the scripture is a time of testing and trial, isn't it? Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted of Satan, wasn't he? We know that the children of Israel were in the wilderness for 40 years. So oftentimes when we see this number 40, it's a time of testing. It's a time of trial that we see in the scriptures. And that's what was happening here. But notice here in verse 16, we've read the first 16 verses. Goliath coming out. You know, here they are very much afraid. But there has been no mention that they sought the Lord at this time. And we need to take note of that. Because when the enemy is approaching, or when the challenges come, or it seems like the difficulty is, is upon us, we need to immediately seek the Lord. And they were probably so gripped with fear that they couldn't really focus on anything else. You know how that happens when we face difficult circumstances in our lives? We get so focused on the circumstance that we really have a hard time focusing on the Lord. And that's something that the Lord will help us with as we say, Lord, in those trials, help me right now to just seek you and to call out to you. And we're going to see that David will grow even in that. Because after this chapter, we, we see that this is a, all right, a hooray chapter and a great chapter and a great story. But we're going to see that David, that he's going to be chased in the wilderness by Saul, and he's going to have times of faltering. He's going to have times of weaknesses. 
He's going to have times where he's just so overwhelmed. And we see him express that in the Psalms as the Lord was teaching them that at all times, whatever it is that we're facing, it's important for us to seek the Lord. But sometimes we get so gripped and overtaken and overwhelmed by those difficult circumstances or the Goliaths that we face in our lives that we have a hard time focusing and calling out to the Lord. And I think it's important that we learn to do that in our lives. The children of Israel, you remember in the book of Exodus chapter 14, we know that story as well. And here they are, they just left Egypt, and they're backed up against the Red Sea and two mountain ranges on both sides. And here come the Egyptian chariots. They can see the dust that they're kicking up. And, and they looked up, and they saw the chariots, and they said, oh, no, the Egyptian chariots, this is the greatest army on the face of the earth at that time. The children of Israel, they didn't have any weapons, and they thought, we're going to be wiped out. They had no way of escape. And it was Moses that would stand up and say, see the salvation of the Lord and be still and you will see the Egyptians no longer for the Lord will fight for you. And in those times where the chariots of the world feel like they're going to just barrel on top of you or we face the Goliaths, we need to be still and we need to look up. You see, the children of Israel look towards the chariots. They need to lift their eyes a little bit higher towards heaven. And that's what we need to do, to stop and say, Lord, you know what? I do have fear. Or Lord, I, 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 I am concerned or I'm overwhelmed and just cast it upon him because he cares for us. And so here there's been no mention of the Lord. In verse 17, then Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. And carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand. And see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Now Saul, when they had all and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, took the things and went to Jesse and commanded him. And, and he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. So it is Jesse that says to David, listen, take some food, take some supplies, go take them to your brothers, and take them to the captains of, that's over your brother, and go get news of the battle. He, he wants to know. He's concerned. Why is he concerned? Because if the Philistines break through the line, his house is right down the valley. It's only a few miles. Matter of fact, it would be David, geographically, you can take a road today that goes from Bethlehem up this valley to the Valley of Elah. So he's concerned. His sons are on the front lines. He wants to know, are the Philistines going to break through the lines? Because he's got to prepare probably and wondering if they're going to be knocking on my door here pretty soon. And so go, David, and go tell, you know, go see and give me news when you come back. And David will bring him news. David's going to be carrying the head of Goliath when he comes back. But here, all of a sudden, David is, is, is going. And, and Philistines in Israel, it says in verse 21, they're, they're in battle array, army against army. What it means is that probably the armies came down to the base of the mountains, and they're shouting at each other and kind of kicking up the dust and, you know, talking smack to each other. That's what they're doing at this time. Kind of walking, you know, back and forth and you know, kind of egging each other on. That's what's taking place. It's not a full-blown battle that's taking place here. 
And so when that's happening, verse 22, David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. And then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistine. And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. So David shows up, and I think David's excited. He's excited perhaps to see his brothers, but I think he's more excited to see how the battles, he wants to check it out here. And then all of a sudden, Goliath is stomping up and down the valley, ushering this challenge once again that he's been doing for 40 days, you know, twice a day. And so it would be um, that David heard them in verse 23. In verse 24, and all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. And so here we see the fear would strike those guys. In verse 25, the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king, will enrich with great riches and give him his daughter and give his daughter's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Verse 26, David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Notice the difference between what Saul and the men of Israel were focused on. Hey, if somebody can come and, and fight Goliath and defeat him, great riches are theirs, a wife and tax exempt. Pretty good deal, huh? Saul was so desperate to find somebody to take on Goliath. But then David's reaction, verse 26, David says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine trying to defy the armies of the living God? It's the first time that God has been mentioned in this story. And David says, You're going to let this Goliath guy, I don't care how big he is, how strong he is, how much armor he has on, you're going to let him stomp up and down the valley twice a day, all these days, and mocking our God and defy, you know, to defy the armies of the living God? David didn't understand that. And here these guys have been so gripped with fear. They were moved by fear, but David is moved by faith. And this is such a huge lesson. I want to be more like this. Unfortunately, there have been times in my life where I'm more like the men of Israel, shaking and quaking and, and full of fear or whatever. And the Lord has to minister to me and tells me, don't be afraid. And David is saying, God's honor is at stake. Here's this guy coming out twice a day and defying the armies of the living God. You guys belong to him. God is on our side and God is alive. And when we hear that message, when we encourage one another, when you're talking to a brother or sister or praying with them or ministering to them, remind them that we believe in a living Lord who sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. His promises are true. And as we encourage in that way, it produces faith. And that's what David is doing here. And we're going to see that his faith is going to be turned into action, which is then going to spread to the rest of the armies as we continue on, as they're going to have victory here, and they're going to share in with that victory. And so, verse 27, the people answered him in this manner, saying, so it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, the oldest brother, heard when he had spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here? 
And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I have done now? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him towards another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. So the older brother rebuked David. You've only come to see the battle. I know that you're full of pride. Who'd you leave the sheep with? David was a good shepherd because we already read that he left the sheep with the keeper. He made sure that the sheep were taken care of. He's coming to bring food to his brothers. Now why would his brothers or his oldest brother at least, react in this way, rebuking David. You're full of pride. You only come to see the battle. It could be that maybe that there, here is, you know, Eliab that is upset because he wasn't anointed the king. You recall that it was Samuel that first thought that this is the king, and God said, no, he's not the king. Maybe he's upset about that. Maybe he, he knows that David is, even though young, he is one that has a heart after God. Maybe he's just being convicted by David by his own fear and cowardness and faithlessness. I don't know why he's reacting in this way. But I do know this, that as you walk in faith and as you draw close to the Lord and as you speak of the Lord, and as you just trust in him, there are going to be people that are going to try to hurt you. But here's the key. Don't let them hinder you. All right? There are going to be people that are going to come against you. They're going to try to hurt you, come down on you. But don't let them hinder you in continuing in faith and being used of the Lord and standing on the Lord's promises. So we see that David answered and said, is there not a cause here? David wasn't prideful. He isn't boasting himself. He's boasting the Lord. He's turning to the other guys and saying, isn't there a cause? Don't you guys know that these guys are, are mocking the living and true God that we believe in, that's on our side? Isn't there a cause here? Why are you guys afraid? And David here just, even though he's young, such maturity and depth of understanding of the things of God at this time. And so verse 29, uh, David's, or verse 30, excuse me, or verse 31, now when the words of David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep and when a lion or bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered a lamb from its mouth. And when I rose, it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. And your servant has killed, verse 36, both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. In verse 37, moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, the Lord be with you. So David says, I'll fight the Philistine. I'll go against him. Saul hears it. And I wonder what Saul thought when David comes walking up. And here's this young guy, this teenager, and he's thinking, Oh, you can't fight Goliath. He's been a warrior longer than you've been alive. You're, you're just a youth. 
Who are you? I think there's something that we can look at and think about tonight, and that is, it was Paul that said to Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Young Timothy, you keep ministering. You're being used of the Lord. And we see throughout the scriptures, David here at this time, just being a teenager, he was used of the Lord to, to put down Goliath. He, he was used in a wonderful and very powerful way. We look at the life of Joseph back in the book of Genesis. Joseph, do you realize that he went off into Egypt into slavery? He was only a teenager at that time. And he was in Potiphar's house. He, he found favor with the Lord. But God was working through Joseph, and Joseph found himself in prison because he was wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife of making advances. And you know the story how God was using that. And Joseph ended up being the prime minister of Egypt. But Joseph, at a young age, had a heart for the Lord. He would not fall into sin. He was dedicated to the Lord. We know that Daniel, that we talked about recently in our Daniel study, that the captive of Nebuchadnezzar went off into captivity when he was just a teenager, only 16, 17 years old. Mary, when she was pregnant, conceived of the Holy Spirit with Jesus, the Christ child. She was only about 16 years old. And I mention that because I want our young people to know that even though they're young, God can use them. And I pray that we would not despise their youth, that we would encourage them, that, that God can use them in a special way and in a powerful way. Yes, they're going to continue to grow, just as David is going to continue to grow. Just as we see the young men of faith that were used of the Lord, they would continue to grow as you and I are continuing to grow, but don't despise their youth. And we need to encourage our young people, our teenagers, our young adults, that God can use you and wants to use you. You can live for the Lord. You can walk in faith. You can be strong in the things of the Lord. And I hope we pray for them, that we're dedicated as a church to pray for them and encourage them in that way. And here's Saul saying, oh, forget you, you're just a youth. And David says, listen, God was prepared me for this because I was a shepherd. And I think the reason that you see David out there with the sheep is because he was one that was such a good shepherd. He took care of the sheep, he guarded the sheep. And he says, when a bear or a lion came up, I would go after that bear, that lion that took a sheep. I went after him. Interesting. Israel geographically lies right where three continents come together. So the lions came up from Africa and bears came down from Asia. And there were lions and bears in David's day at this time. And he said, I would, I, you know, would deliver the lamb from its mouth. I would catch that lion by the beard by, and the bear and strike it and kill it. So this Goliath, this big guy, strong guy, he's just one of them, you know. So David, again, he knows that God has prepared him for this. And this is the wonderful thing about being used of the Lord, that he will prepare us for the battles that we're going to be fighting when we desire to serve the Lord. He's going to continually be preparing us and growing us and strengthening us. Our confidence is still in the Lord, yes. And that's where David places his confidence. But David knows that, you know what, the Lord has prepared me for this. Goliath's just like one of those bears, one of those lions. And so Saul says, you know, the Lord be with you, verse 38. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. 
And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And so we see here that David puts on Saul's armor. A couple of things I was thinking about this tonight as I was just kind of praying that when David put on Saul's armor, I mean, his helmet, and he's, you know, obviously it's too big. Saul's head and shoulders above everybody else, and David's just kind of weighed down. I wonder if Saul was convicted at all. David has my armor on. I'm the one that really should be putting it on and going out there and fighting Goliath. I'm the leader. I'm the one that's leading the nation. I'm, I'm head and shoulders above everyone else. I just wonder if Saul was convicted at all. He probably wasn't. David, he has this on. He says, listen, I, I can't use this. And the lesson for us in this is don't put somebody's armor on, okay? We don't have to try to be exactly like somebody else or put their armor on. We all are to put on the armor of God, certainly. But you see, God has given us gifts and talents, and whatever gifts and talents God has given you and personalities that he's given you, you're unique. And God wants to use you in a unique way. And that frees me. I don't have to put on somebody else's armor and try to be like them. I don't have to try to be like Pastor Chuck Smith, even though I admire him and he's my pastor and I've learned so much from him and I've gained so much. I don't have a ministry exactly like him and I don't have to try to imitate him. I don't have to try to be like Ed Taylor. I don't have to try to be like, you know, Charles Swindoll or anybody else. I can be who God has called me to be and move forward and use the giftings and the talents and the personality that I have and that's so freeing. And David is saying, this is your armor, Saul. I can't wear this. And so he took it off. And so, verse 40, he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook to put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was on his hand and he drew near to the Philistines. So there's this dry riverbed that runs through the valley. And when we go there uh, in May, to Israel, we will go in the valley, and one of the things is, is they'll let you take five stones back with you. So I meant to bring back a stone, or actually bring a stone tonight and put it up here, but I forgot to bring it. So there's all these stones, and there's all this commentary on why five stones. Some have said that the number five is the number of grace. Some say that according to 1 Samuel, we will read, I believe, um, verse 21, um, it tells us that Goliath had four brothers. So just in case, you know, they do WWF tag team, you know. <laughs> I got four other stones ready to go against the brothers. That could be a possibility. It could be that David just, hey, I just need to load up here and have some extra ammo. So he has five stones that he, he picked, and he puts them in his pouch. And he has that sling. Now the sling, the shepherd's sling, you can see him in Israel. And I like to get one when we go. But it's just a leather pouch, and then it has a couple of stones. Uh, leather strands and they put the stone in that pouch and then they just swing that that leather pouch and with those strands that are long and you just get it faster and faster and faster and when that stone comes out David was so good it was like a cruise missile coming out of that sling and he was very good with it obviously and so uh, that's what he's going to use that's all he has as he picks these stones and he has a shepherd's sling and a staff in his hand 
So verse 41, the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. The man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about, he saw David and disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and beasts of the field. So Goliath's not happy. He's not happy at all. And he feels insulted here, actually. He says, you come with me with a shepherd's staff with sticks? What am I, a dog? He says, you're going to get it. And here you are, a small boy. Is that all they can send to me? And he's cursing David by his gods. And he's mocking him. And I just wonder what the guys on the hills, you know, of the armies of, of Israel are thinking. They're probably thinking, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. So here's Goliath, and I think if I was in David's sandals, and this big, huge guy, nine feet tall and all of this, and he started saying that, would if I put my tail between my legs and run? And I really think, what would I would have done, my reaction? And David, I love this story. He's such a, a, a young man of faith, and how's David answer him? He says, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, and the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. What a statement of faith. You're going to know that the God of Israel is the living God, and it's his battle. You come with me with a sword, you come with me with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. And you see, the enemy, when he, the accuser of the brethren, Revelation chapter 12, comes to us, how do we defeat him? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of testimony. You know what, enemy, you can come against me, you are more powerful than me, but here's the thing. I have Christ in my heart, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and you've been defeated by Jesus dying on the cross. I don't belong to you. I've been forgiven, and I belong to the Lord, and you just, I stand on his promises, and I am his child, and that's where our faith begins to build, and we can answer the enemy in that way, just as David is answering him, saying, you can come to me with the spears and javelins, but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And your head's going to be lopped off here in a few minutes, and I'm going to feed you know, your body to the birds. And, and David is just, man, he is, he's got confidence in the Lord. Again, not confidence in himself. The birds of the air and the beasts of the earth are going to be you know, chomping on you here in a few minutes. And they're going to know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, but the battle is the Lord's. And we need to remember that, that the battle is the Lord's. He's already won the war. But we are in a battle, a spiritual battle all the time. And we put on the armor of God and allow Him to just do that battle and bring us victory in our lives. So it was when the Philistines arose in verse 48 and came, drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistines. So David's running towards them. He's, he's running with this sling, just going, and he's running towards Goliath. And 
wonder what Goliath is thinking. And then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and it fell on his face to the earth. I don't think David or Goliath knew what hit him. It was a bullseye. I think the Lord's hand was on it too, like a cruise missile. Hit him right between the eyes. He never knew what hit him and he falls. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. David didn't have a sword. David in another place would say, some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord. And David didn't have a sword. He had a shepherd's sling. He had a staff in his hand. And the thing is, is that sometimes we think, if I just had the sword or the chariot or the horse, but what we need to say is, Lord, I'm going to trust in you. And that's what David was doing. I trust in you. That it's your battle, Lord, and you're going to bring me victory. So therefore, the men of Israel, as, or I should back up to verse 51, and so David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. And wounded um, of the Philistines fell along the road to Sha'ar Aim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. And then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistines, brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And so, again, Israel routs the Philistines. David's faith spreads to others. What did Saul? He was full of fear, and it spread to others. David's faith was spread to others. And as we have faith, and as we're trusting the Lord, and the Lord is look, working in our lives, I pray that that spread to others and encourages others in our lives in the battles that we face. As we say, Lord, I'm going to trust in you and allow you to work. And then as people see that, that would encourage them because the Lord is working in our lives and growing us and being faithful to us. And so when Saul would saw David going out against the Philistines, verse 55, as we finish tonight, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, inquire whose son this man, young man is. And then as David returned to the slaughter of the Philistines, Abner took him and brought him before Saul and the head of the Philistine in his head, hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. So I'm not sure. You read this and you think, Saul doesn't know it's David. David's been playing for him. And just, I think Saul knew David. Perhaps he didn't know whose David's father was because remember, he's going to be tax-exempt now. So he's trying to figure out, David, what exactly family do you come from again? So this wonderful story here of David defeating Goliath. And so, Father, I thank you for this lesson, this, this, this wonderful, wonderful story that we just read. And Lord, that tonight is a familiar story, but how we need to be reminded that this is true. This really happened. And Lord, first of all, we're reminded that, that Jesus defeated the enemy at the cross. Colossians chapter 2 says that Jesus, because he went to the cross, wiped out the handwriting requirement and now has disarmed principalities and powers. And Lord, made a public spectacle of them. And we're so thankful that the enemy was defeated at the cross, that you defeated death, that you defeated 
the, the penalty of sin in our lives because Jesus took the penalty of sin upon himself and then, Lord, as the Holy Spirit comes into us as believers, the power of sin in our lives. So, Lord, we thank you for the victory that we have. But, Father, we also know that we're in this world and there is battles and the enemy still throws those fiery darts at us and tries to deceive us and, and bring distress to us and put us in bondage. And, Lord, I pray that tonight that if there's any of us that are facing a Goliath or a challenge or a difficulty, that, Lord, that we would have that faith as David displayed, that the battle belongs to you and that you are alive and that you're on our side. And, Lord, how you desire to work in our lives. And, Lord, so help us not to be gripped with fear or discouragement, but, Lord, with faith, that we wouldn't walk by sight but by faith. And Lord, that tonight we would leave this place knowing that you desire to work in the same way. Lord, just being faithful.